Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. This is John Silver, lead recruiter of The Dark Order, and you are listening to All Things Elite. Welcome to the 182nd episode of Social Suplexes podcast about AEW with a proclivity for positivity. Welcome to All Things Elite. My name is Austin Sumwitz. I am the host of this lovely show. Back as my schedule got moved around a little bit, but I am able to finally record. And joining with me, as always, is my good buddy and friend, Floyd Johnson Jr. My man, how are you doing? I am great because Kansas City Chiefs are still the reigning defending. Yes undisputed Super Bowl champions. I hadn't haven't got to say that to you on the show. No, this I was gonna say I know you've you've you went you went ham on it before, yes. but I mean this is the first yes. time I've been on mic with you about it. I remember saying I think I texted to you like, bro, not like that. It's <laughs> literally how I texted it, but I was just like, hey man, you know, someone's gotta take the role of the new evil empire and Floyd will gladly gladly take that spot if it means he gets more hardware in his trophy case so I, I, a big congr- a big big congratulations to you call me um, black joe namath because i guaranteed the chiefs win to anybody that would listen i guaranteed it i was doing like, we went for 30 minutes last week on this what are we doing <laughs> this is a wrestling show well hold on let me uh, hold on was uh was uh, was austin here for that show I listen to it, dog. I'm good. No, I no. It. I need you to be here for it. <laughs> How? I mean, hey, hey. You know, you don't get to gloat that often. You know what I mean? Like, you're, how many times <laughs> don't get did you, you gloat? You did. You gloated back in 2019. Yes, yes. And I know. And you know what? I might not get to gloat again because that's how sports works. You know, there's a chance. For, however, my new there's Chiefs might not ever get to the Super Bowl again. And then I'll be like, dude, I held back because I was trying to, you know, not be annoying. No, be annoying because you don't know if you're going to get this again. Jesus Christ. Well, again, a dude, massive congratulations. You think, you think I'm bad now? <laughs> April April 3rd, if the blonde guy is the champion, 
<laughs> oh, it's gonna be in that. It's gonna be a madness. It's, it's a it blonde bomber. Madness. As I say, we should call this all things entertainment for one week because all I'm gonna be talking about is the WWE until I'm blue in the face. I think so, I'll be off that show. <laughs> I'm like, I don't even know if I'm like, oh man, remember when you we talked about Darby Allen? Hey, remember when Cody beat Darby? And yeah, like everything's gonna be about him. So. I am. Actually, I remember when I remember when Cody drew against Darby Allen. That's the one I remember. Yes, yes. You know, you know, he, you know, he was like, he saw the little kid, and he was like, "Why is this little kid in the ring?" You know, <laughs> it shocked him. He didn't know how good he was. I didn't know how good he was. So you know, I get it. But no, um, but no. Seriously, on a serious note, I always miss you when you're not here, Austin. It breaks my heart into a million bazillion pieces. When you're not here, especially when it was my, you know, my turn to just gloat, 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 gloat. All I'm saying, man, is you give my lions enough time, we are finally turning things around, and just dude, we're gonna get there. One time. We're gonna dude, get there, dude. And I'm rooting for you. I mean, you know, and honestly, Mahomes is not gonna win every year. Maybe just every other year. And on one of those off years, the lions get there, and I'll be like, go lions, because you know. At this point in time, I am at this point where I've I have gotten to enjoy this moment. I really do want all my friends to actually know how this feels. So sure, I, I like it's like it's a cool thing to have. You know what I mean? It's like you know you you know you didn't do anything, but you get to brag like you did. You know, absolutely. <laughs> I was like, I didn't do anything. I didn't take a hit. I didn't know your practice. I didn't run. <laughs> like I did. <coughs> I almost died there. <laughs> but other than that, you know, I did nothing. So no, yeah. I'm looking forward to. Uh, I'm like, I look, I look forward to. It. Jr. got to experience it last year. Like, yes. literally, you are on the phone with two of the last three Super Bowl champions. You know, I can't, I can't talk about that. But yes, no, we have, we have to mention him because he screamed at Floyd just a couple seconds ago. Yes, so we are joined by the lovely Jr. Perez and uh, my man. You doing well? Do you know what? I'm excited too because come this time next week, I will be in San Francisco for AW Revolution Week. It's my wife's 34th yes. birthday. I have been, um, I think I mentioned it last week, I've been on an eight week training camp. You know, I had to lose some weight from after the vacationing and the holidays. I was 213.8 when I weighed in in, in January. And today I weighed in at 199.7. I lost like about 12 pounds of body fat so let's go dude. i'm re- i'm ready to go to san francisco and and like gain some of that weight back and because it's been a long eight weeks so but i'm i'm, I'm hanging in there i'm good and i'm excited for um a pay-per-view weekend I absolutely need, i do need to add one thing i know she doesn't listen to the show but on the off chance she ever did actually presses play on this download I gotta send out a little, all the love and pride to my to my wife, the love of my life, uh, Crystal. She has lost sixty five pounds in the last what four months, and you know, and she's killing it on a weight loss in our health journey. And I am just so proud of her for losing all the weight she has. It's just she's killing it. Absolutely, she, she, she yes. Does not listen to me talk about wrestling for two hours. Or no, whatever, so. She I probably will never hear this. Maybe she hears it through the wall of me yelling, but I still wanted to throw it out there because, you know, it's, weight loss is in a crazy journey. So, 
I mean, she's making a lot of, you know, a lot of life changes to get where she is. Yeah. Well, yeah, for sure. Um, big shout out to her. Um, and yes, we got a lot to talk about. We had a huge episode of Dynamite that just actually finished yesterday. We're recording this on a Thursday, so we'll actually be talking about the most recent episode of Dynamite. Um, and we can also mention uh, some stuff uh, from Rampage. There wasn't really a crazy much, except for the because it was AEW Rampage slam dunk during AEW uh, during NBA All Star Weekend. Uh, you had the Elite going full NBA TNT yet again because they were doing it already in their best of seven series and just fucking basketballs and basketball jerseys everywhere. Um, we're gonna get to all of that. Uh, but real quick, uh, we want to make sure you guys are downloading this fine show on Google or Apple Podcasts. If you listen to us on Spotify or wherever you choose to listen to us, please give us a share with your friends, family, coworkers, whoever you wish. You can also leave a rating and a review. And if you're so inclined, you can also follow us on social media. We are at AT Elite Pod on Twitter, at Social Suplex are the guys that make this show possible. Please check out all the other shows they have on their network. You won't be disappointed. I am at Austin Sumowitz, S-Z-U-M-O-W-I-C-Z. Floyd is at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter, and JR is at Lucha Professor on Twitter as well. Now, we'll really quickly get into the big news of the week, which is the fact that on this episode of Dynamite, Tony Khan had a big announcement. So you already knew people were going and just seeing what is he announcing this time. The hugest uh, announcement in the history of announcements that ever have yep. been announced. Absolutely. Built up to that level of extent. So much so that Tony Khan was like, I'm not making this announcement. Adam Cole, get your ass in here. And just brings Adam Cole in. And then Adam Cole is the one who's going to make the huge announcement. And it was at the fact that they are adding a third hour extensively to AEW Dynamite. But instead of it just being more Dynamite, from 10 p.m. to 11 p.m. on Wednesday nights, AEW will be having a show called AEW All Access, which is an unscripted reportedly behind-the-scenes TV show that will air immediately after Dynamite. Fuck you, Power Slap. Uh, so we get another hour of Dynamite that was already being rumored a little bit. It's not exactly what we thought it was going to be. Like, the whole idea of this being an unscripted, like, kind of behind-the-scenes show is kind of interesting to me because, in a small sense, isn't being the elite kind of like that, in my mind, is what I always thought. But... Regardless, they also mentioned how for when that show comes out, Adam Cole will also be making his in-ring return to wrestling, which is a huge moment. Super excited for him. Um, but I, me and Floyd were talking about this, and um, we'll actually go to JR first on this because I want to get his thoughts. But me and Floyd have talked about this already, and we both kind of are near the same kind of opinion on this. But I want to know what JR's thoughts are. Um, I'll try to say this quickly. So it's I'm going to first say... I love violence. I'm a big mixed martial arts fan. I got into boxing. And uh, man, Power Slap is terrible. Like, I originally, I was like, okay, this is like a car wreck and you can tune in. But I was telling Floyd yesterday because I leave it on because I just leave the TV on in the background after Dynamite. And I'm like, God, this is just, this is like local bums at a bar that they just picked up and say, hey, go slap the shit out of each other. So I'm glad it's getting off air. No one in MMA, nobody that's a respectable name in MMA enjoys that show. So that tells you something that they work for Dana White. They don't give a shit about that show. So it's good to see something else on. Um, and with AEW all access, I was looking into a little bit from my understanding, they are doing like each week, each episode will like highlight a specific talent. So maybe I, 
what I think envision the first episode is going to be Adam Cole and Britt Baker. And it was kind of teased with the picture. I think Britt Baker posted a picture of her and Adam Cole. So I'm like, oh, that makes sense to be the first episode. You follow them for like a week. Their travel and what they're doing leading up to AW Dynamite Rampage. You know, I think it would definitely get lead in people. As I mentioned, I leave my TV on. I think a lot more AEW fans will leave their TV on in the background, even if they even if they're not w- watching. I just the one thing I will say though, I think after the initial run of Tough Enough, this is going back to like when Survivor just kicked off and reality TV was kind of a big thing. That you know, I just think that wrestling reality shows just kind of they just don't really work well. They seem to be like one and done. Like they we had two incarnations of Tough Enough. It was one and done. You know, there was I think it was called Breaking Breaking In or or Breaking something breaking like that. About, thank you. And it was seemed like one season. I just don't really know in a show where fans like we know it's not we know it's predetermined, but we also want to suspend disbelief. I just don't know how well it would do. All right, Floyd, we'll go to you now. So, uh, there's there's threefold on this. First of all, the good thing, it's replacing Power Slap. Anytime JR would try to talk to me about something that was going on with Power Slap, I'm like, are you mad at me? Why are you talking to me about this? I don't, I don't know what's going on. I don't care. Second of all, um, the announcement. Dude, I, you know, Tony Khan. I, I, I don't know if this was a directive directive from TNT, but he knows his fan base. And AEW has a high internet fan base, right? So you can get on the internet and see. Whenever you're going to say that there's a surprise, right? And you're going to talk about it like it's major, right? Make sure it's major. This... This this needed to be where the next Forbidden Door was going to be. The UK announcement. A new wrestler or something. This announcement, and I, I put this on Twitter, because uh, we, me, JR, and Austin, both in our own way, work in the corporate world, right? And occasionally, your bosses will call you into a meeting, right? And you're like, oh my god, this is serious, right? This is serious. And then they'll get in there, and they'll say... Hey, we're changing water vendors. And everybody's looking at each other like, okay, so what else are we here for? And everyone's like, oh, that's it? Dude, you could have just sent that on an email. And that's what this announcement was. This was the, we set a meeting for an email. And every fan was had their own little exaggeration of what they thought this was going to be. Right? Do you know we a lot of people even thought it was gonna be a new show, but they thought it was gonna be a wrestling show, right? To get a behind the scenes show, which is not everybody's cup of tea. Personally, it's not my cup of tea. I do everything in my hour as a fan to suspend my disbelief. I don't want then another hour of TV to tell me that everything I watched was not real. I that's not my cup of tea. It's it's gonna be on. I'm gonna watch it because I do I do, as a fan, I talk about all things elite on this show, so it'll be one of the all things that are elite, so I will make sure I watch every episode, but it's not really my thing. But I understand, you know, this is a big deal, this is 
more for AEW, and this is more of a presence on TV, TBS. This is more of, you know, you know, more of a relationship building thing. And it's like the relationship building could lead to the next contract with uh, TBS or, or Warner. So I'm all about it. You know, I'm all about how what it means for AEW. I just think he set himself up and his fan base for disappointment by the complete build of it. Just say, we're going to make an announcement on the show, you know, that kind of thing. But the way it was built, how it was this huge announcement, I don't feel like it was huge to anyone. Austin said? Yeah. Yeah, no. Again, we've we've seen AEW do announcements where they announce certain things, um, um, like through like a Twitter press release or something like that. That's what this should have been, honestly. This should have just been a simple Twitter press release because as much as I'm all excited for, you know, Adam Cole making his re- return to in-ring competition and all that kind of stuff, yeah, the fact that they're going with the unscripted behind-the-scenes TV show uh, style when AEW literally had an unscripted reality show with Cody and Brandy like, a few years ago and nobody really cared. It, it, it actually did well in the ratings and they were going to do it the next season, but you know, they don't, they didn't work there anymore. Right. But I'm, but I will say it didn't leave a lasting impact. I will say that, but sure. it did good ratings for sure. Um, I don't know, man. Again, the, the announcement fell very flat for sure. I think it fell flat. Um, I'm not against it. Again, I'm all for getting an extra hour of television, keeping AEW fans glued to TBS is exactly something that I'm sure Warner wants because AEW has uh, showcased itself as being a viable brand for Warner Media and everything like that. So it makes all the sense in the world why they would want to try to extend their time. And I don't know if this, like I said, my biggest thing right now is because... while this will most likely effectively be your third hour of dynamite, but just in a different way, I offer the same thing that I said when raw moved to three hours, which originally I wasn't against, but my biggest problem when raw moved to three hours was the fact that they used the same motherfuckers and it was the same people and their roster. That was huge. Felt like they just grabbed like a little bit of water out of a giant fucking pool. So if this is going to be shining a light on specific wrestlers and specific stories and all that kind of stuff and really trying to shine a light on those, um, use that roster to its fullest ability because you've got such great talent in in this company. And I think it only means more if you actively use that roster in its best possible way. So this could absolutely still work out. The announcement, though pretty bad i will say didn't really leave an impact necessarily um but we'll move off of that and we can actually get into aew dynamite from this week which emanated from phoenix arizona um and we can actually mention off top um is there anything off of rampage from last week that you guys are massively huge for i know there's one big announcement that we had from a one big moment from rampage that we had as well including what happened in the trios match that opened up the show? Do you want to go rampage first? Or do you want to move off a of dynamite? Right. The only now? thing I, I only thing I remember is the house of black from rampage. Was there anything else? 
Uh, Keith Lee returned. Oh, Keith Lee did return. Had yes. his own gray oh. hair and everything. Oh, my God. So, yes, I need to talk about that. Not go about ahead. the show in general, but Keith Lee. Hey, first of all, you go to a lot of shows, and if he listens to this, you're not that hard to, to pick out, Floyd. So just <laughs> mind your words. Hey, hey, Keith Lee don't know I can't fight. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but he knows he he knows he, just, can, he, knows he, he can't that, fight though. though. I I didn't say I couldn't fight. I say he doesn't know I can't fight. <laughs> I'm not saying. Oh, and the funny thing is, I'll, let me say this real quick before Floyd says something. That last year we were in Vegas, and it's me, Floyd, my wife, and and Floyd's wife, and Keith, and we're at the Starbucks before you get into the MGM, um, excuse me, the Manly Bay Event Center. And I see Keith Lee and, you know, fan, you know, he's trying to get a Starbucks. And I just say, hey, Keith, I just want you to know I love you. You're such a great dude. He's like, thank you, man. And I, and he, his arms look like fucking tree trunks. Like, and he's in a sleeveless shirt because he's got a gym. And I'm like, that is one guy you do not want to make mad because I'm sure with his, with his index fingers and his thumb, just those two, he will choke the life out of you. <laughs> so, yeah, he could accidentally hurt you. But, no, and I'm going to use this. To do something I rarely ever do is compare AEW and WWE and give the advantage to WWE because that man came out and he looked like a jacked up black Santa Claus. And um, let me tell you, no, no, that was not menacing. That was not scary. He looked old. You looked old. So I'm going to say this. In WWE, that shit ain't flying. They look at you in the back and they're like, no, you're not going out like that. Hair and makeup, take care of him, dye his fucking hair, shave his head, whatever. This dude looks terrible. I don't know if it was trying to tell a story. I had somebody, I saw it online, somebody's like, when the cinder block exploded on him, you know, it was gray. That's and, a stretch. And they That's were a saying stretch. that was him coming back from the cinder block. I saw it online, I hated it. I thought it was stupid. No one ain't thinking about that. That dude just looked old. He looked terrible. Like, Keith Lee is one of the guys that I will root for to the day he retires. I love this man. But, dude, someone has to be your friend at this point. Like, yeah. and dude, if I, come out in a, if I come out in an XL shirt, I hope me, Austin, and JR are tight enough where they can be like Floyd. No. Go, go change shirts, brother. No, that's that's not what's up. Or if I came out and I tried to grow my hair and there's this clear circle ball spot because I have no hair in the in the top of my head, that they would look at me and say, Floyd, come on, man. Come on. Go shave your head. It's like yeah. all the people back there, no one said, Keith Lee, this is not a good idea. And TK is like, I'm the booker. I make the decision. That's a decision you got to make. That was This was his comeback. He's supposed to be coming back as this badass to come back and thwart the guy that took him down uh his old friend Sir Strickland and I was like oh so Sir Strickland's grandpa is coming to beat him yeah I was no I was not happy with this yeah no and again I'm all for Keith Lee being back on television but yeah I don't know why in God's green earth that dude because again Keith Lee can make a lot of things look good uh, that that his facial hair situation has been different through multiple iterations of him being on TV, and no matter what this d- dude does, whether it be clean shaven, whether it just be sideburns, whether it be just a goatee, whatever the fuck he ch- decides to do, he looks 
amazing. The one thing this man cannot pull off is gray hair. It does not look good. And yeah, it makes him look old and it doesn't make him look dangerous and it doesn't make him look like Keith Lee. That's for certain. So that's an easy fix. Just fucking fix that shit. Um, but yeah, no, that was it, it. It took a little bit of the wind out of the return. Um, I will mention the Ricky Starks, Daniel Garcia match was pretty solid. And again, that crazy trios match between AR Fox and Top Flight in the Elite with all the fucking basketball shit was funny. And then, yes, the House of Blacks uh, um, appearing when the, uh, up top was really, really cool. Um, but other than that, that's kind of where we'll leave it on Rampage. Uh, we'll get into Dynamite from this past Wednesday night, which opened up with actually what was uh, teased on Rampage, which was Wheeler Yuta calling out Orange Cassidy for the AEW All-Atlantic Championship, and OC acquiesced and said, yeah, let's do it. Um, and this was a damn, damn good match, and we saw a little bit of iteration of uh, kind of a different side of the BCC, the Blackpool Combat Club. Claudio at one point comes out as uh, Wheeler is kind of getting caught uh, on the on the offensive by Orange Cassidy early on. And Claudio comes up uh, across the face and goes like, handle this shit. He's a joke. And then that's when you started seeing Yuta really get physical in this match. Um, eventually, though, like through multiple great moves between these guys, um, there was a point where Orange Cassidy DDT'd him uh, onto the outside floor, diving off of the top rope. Um, Yuta was able to counter the beach break and get a, a vicious-looking pile driver to get uh, a two-count. Um, and then eventually, though, Yuta was hit with multiple orange punches. And after two orange punches and the beach break, he finally was able to get Yuta down. Um, Orange Cassidy, though, looking at his former best friend, the former uh, person that he left the BCC with, wanted a hug. And Claudio was like, no, get your ass over here. And Yuta listens to Claudio, rolls out of the ring, leaves Orange Cassidy uh, in the ring. But Orange Cassidy retains his All-Atlantic Championship. Um, I do at least like that they are acknowledging about uh, Orange Cassidy and Yuta's history with them being the best friends, even though that feels like fucking forever ago, I will say. Like, them being in best friends for a small period of time feels so long ago. Like, I, I, I know a lot of people probably had to remember, oh, yeah, he was in best friends for a minute. Um, but I still do love the uh, the fact that they included it, and I love the the little tease at the end. Um, and I like this more vicious side of Claudio, I will say, because this dude is a wrestling machine, a wrestling god. And if he's not going to be like, you know, I feel like Claudio can be a great, joking, fun babyface. But if he's not going to be that, I like him so much more as just this vicious wrestler who will beat you to the ground. So if you're going a little bit more tweener, leaning more towards heel with Claudio and the BCC, I'm all for it. And we saw more of that later tonight, which we'll get into. But JR, thoughts on this? All-Atlantic Championship match. You know, uh, one of the things I will say, uh, Orange Cassidy is extremely popular and over, and I think he doesn't get enough time on television, and as a champion, I think he should get a little bit more time because you want to showcase that that championship, and I think in this match, it was really important because for Will Yuta being the ROH Pure Champion, we're on the you know, we're right here in the initial stages of where ROH starting tomorrow is going to start recording. I think tomorrow or Saturday is going to start doing their ROH taping. So you want to be able to showcase 
Wither Yuta as well, because he's going to be a reason why people are going to pay for Honor Club for your initial TV tapings before you get to Supercard on March 31st. So I like this matchup together, and I like the way they talk about the history. But for me, the more intriguing part was the ending, because I was like, hmm, Cesaro doesn't seem like the fun-loving Cesaro in the beginning when he came to AEW. He seems like he has a chip on his shoulder. Yeah, um, <clears throat> I agree. I'm sorry, Claudio. I apologize. Claudio Castanoli. Yeah, uh, I, I completely agree. I can honestly say this was my favorite Orange Cassidy match ever, and I don't think it's relatively close. Uh, they killed each other. You uh, saw aggression from both sides, and of course, a match where it's like, oh, this is the best match I've ever seen this person have. It's with Willa Yuta, who does nothing but have amazing matches. He's one of those guys... He's going to be in like the Tomo Hero Ishii line where he's just going to put on bangers for his whole career. And I never think he's going to get the real credit for being such a phenomenal wrestler. Like Orange Cassidy is an amazing wrestler. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I mean, he understands his character. He understands his gimmick. He knows when to turn it on. He knows when to, uh, he knows when to uh, play up the character side of it. He knows because you saw it. You saw him reach that next level. But Willa Yuta, man. Just banger after banger after banger to steal a line from Sheamus. I'm sorry, I, I'm gonna say that because I just thought it was it's creative. But um, yeah, when I looked at this match, it was just like man. And at one point, they had me thinking Willer Yuta was gonna win, and I wouldn't have been mad at him for winning. Um, but again, after the win, I'm with Jr. I'm seeing Claudio coming out. And it's funny because he said, don't hold, hug Orange Cassidy. And guess what's the first thing Claudio does to Willow Yuta when he comes up? Gives him a hug. <laughs> and he's like, hey, buddy, we're okay. And so I wonder if Big Brother is going to come and try to slay the Orange Cassidy. And I wonder if we can get Claudio versus OC at one of the San Francisco shows. I'm thinking, you know, with uh, an hour Iron Man match headlining uh, Revolution, I don't know how much wrestling they can actually add to the show. But, you know, that, um, you know, that uh, Revol- uh, the Dynamite and Rampage needs a main event. You know, they need big matches. So maybe we do Claudio and uh, Orange Cassidy at that one. And then maybe... Claudio and Orange Cassie running back for the RH title later. I don't know. Just spitballing shit. But uh, I really did enjoy this match. I do like the BCC leaning towards Hill. Uh, they've always been tweeners. They don't like anyone. They like the four of them or three of them. They don't even like. Th- there's one guy in their group they don't even like. That's how much they don't like people. So I really do. Um, I really am looking forward to where this is going. Orange Cassidy's uh, title reign as the uh, All-Atlantic champion has been what the title needed. Uh, I would, I remember Tony Khan when it was originally announced, they said they were going to, he would, the, the All-Atlantic champion was going to be a traveling championship. I would like to see OC travel a little bit more. So that's, a, that's the only thing that I would say. But overall, good match, great first segment, great way to start off a uh, Dynamite. For sure. Now we move on to a backstage interview where we had Hangman and Evil Uno backstage and Hangman was telling uh, Uno to stay out of this. And he said, you know what? What I've been hearing is how Dark Order is not on your level. And he's calling out uh, John Moxley and he said, listen, Hangman, no matter what happens, do not get involved in my match. This is something I need to handle. And I took this as, oh, he's getting killed. This dude's going to die. 
And I'm like, I love you, Uno, but you are set up to the like you are being sent to the slaughter. Um, and we will get into all of that in the main event of this show. Um, we then had an in-ring promo between uh, Ricky Starks and Chris Jericho. Um, and Ricky, first off, made the joke about how, like, listen, we can't do this too long or else they'll get mad. I'll run over time. Uh, and he said, look, I've dealt with interference with the JAS. Chris, it's clear you don't want to have a rematch. I accept that. We're moving on from Chris Jericho. I have an open challenge and an open contract for a match against me at Revolution. He says the Revolution will be de- televised, as my theme song says. And I will be damned if I'm let off of that show. Chris Jericho immediately answers the challenge. And also, if I may uh, ask you guys a question. Um, you know how sometimes uh, theme songs will start like in the middle of their theme? Like a lot of, like what they did with uh, Minoru Suzuki. How they've shortened his theme song so that way people can get to the Kazanira eh, uh, quicker. They need to start Judas at like, what have I become? Because... Having Jericho stand there on stage awkwardly while they wait for the fans to finish singing his song is hell. Like, it's hell to me. Like, when he's walking to the ring and he's doing a normal entrance and stuff like that, it's a decent length. But if he's just standing on the ramp, you either need to tell them to shut up or you need to start the theme song at the chorus. Because waiting there and just watching him listen to the crowd sing, I'm like, you want to be worried about going over time? Fucking Jericho's song is going to take up enough time. Am I the only one who cares about that, or am I like because I feel like I'm the dude that drove me nuts? Whenever I listen to the song, it like you know, yeah, everyone knows how many shows I've been to. There's, uh, I always think about the person that it's their first AEW show. I right? get that, and they've been listening, they've been watching it, and because I think it's the best moment in wrestling right now. As much as I love Cody and FTR, the best moment in wrestling is the AEW audience. Singing along to, uh, singing along to the song, uh, and it's just like every time he comes out, I'm just like, dude, there's someone down there that's experiencing this for the first time, and I just think that's so cool. So I don't get to where you are. If honestly, if I watched it through that lens of damn, he's standing up there a long time, I would probably come to the same conclusion as you. But my mind's always on, oh man, this is such a cool moment for the people there for the first time. Because, again, he's way too nice, people. Meanwhile, I'm like, Jericho's just standing there. For the love of God, the song has gone on for, like, a minute. <laughs> Maybe JR is in my thought. Uh, I fucking hate the song. I hate Jericho. <laughs> the, dude's a fuck- the dude literally reminds me of Hogan and WCW. I'm like, dude, I'm waiting for you, for you to retire and quit hogging up the spotlight yeah, in, in AEW. Like, I'm tired of this damn song. I'm tired of people waiting. And you know, I don't know if you guys far as enough to talk about the segment. I hated I hate this whole storyline for Ricky Starks. It makes zero sense to it's, me why we're doing it's, this. It's backwards booking. Because you started yeah. with Ricky Starks beating Chris Jericho, and now we're ending with Ricky Starks and Chris Jericho. What? Yeah. Why does Ricky Starks no. want to wrestle him now? Again, the only thing he said was that he was dealing with interference from JAS. And the whole point of this. I know, exactly. He won. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But I guess he's just like, you know what? It's clear, you know, you said, like, you know, you you needed JAS, but you didn't beat me. But I think you could still beat me without them. And the the whole idea was that he goaded him into taking the match. Which, again, Ricky did a good job at being, like, goading. He's like, being like, you know. If that was me, I wouldn't take that. You know, I wouldn't. I wouldn't let that stand, kind of thing. And again, he was very smug about it. 
you got the nice little pop of him doing the, the fucking pen push like he was doing the list of Jericho. Ha, uh, like, you remember? But, like, yeah, this story is just there. And I, for, a, for a guy who is as hot as I feel like uh, Ricky Starks is, also there was just a point where Peter Avalon was going to come out and accept the challenge just to get killed by Chris Jericho. Poor bastard. Uh, but just considering how hot uh, Ricky Starks is right now, the fact that we're kind of still here is surprising to me. When, like I said, one of the big things I asked for is I want Ricky Starks to hold gold. That was one of my New Year's resolutions that me and Floyd talked about, was that I wanted Ricky Starks to hold gold in AEW. I can deal with All-Atlantic or uh, TNT title. I can't deal with him holding the fucking FTW championship again. He needs to hold legit gold. So that's, that's what a- I, I was like. I wanted to get that moving forward. But what were you saying, JR? Let me tell you another reason why to me this, none of this makes sense because he's backwards booking. They started with Action Andretti and that went nowhere. What is what's the beginning of Ricky Stark's song? What does it say? The revolution will be televised. So what event are we going to? Revolution. So what event has happened? What match has happened in previous revolutions that is not that has not been announced yet? For this, for Face this of the revolution ladder match, yeah. So why isn't Ricky Starks a fucking main fixture in the face of a revolution ladder match to get him that spot, like how Wardlow had it last year? Wasn't he in one of those matches before? I mean, he I think he was. It. I think he was in. I remember the. I think he was in the year Cody was in there, or maybe not. I don't know. But he, I mean, he didn't win. He was in, yeah, no, he was in last year's revolution, face uh, uh, of the revolution, and he lost. Wardlow won that. Yeah, so that's what, I mean, I guess, you know, that's what JR is saying. It's like, why aren't we building to him being in this ladder match and winning that way? And I'm like, I mean, there's a lot of ways you can go. But the thing about TK is they, they don't really book week to week. You know what I mean? They do have a longer plan, and this was, for this pay-per-view cycle, the plane was Ricky Starks versus Jericho. Do I like how they did it? No. Because, again, Ricky Starks has already beat Jericho. He should be moving on now. You know, Jericho should be fighting to fight Ricky Starks again. Jericho could be like, oh, you know, you beat me. He should be jumping everyone Ricky Starks knows to get him to wrestle him again. But that's not what's happening. Ricky Starks is chasing chasing an obstacle he's already accomplished and that doesn't make any damn sense no yeah again i don't (laughs) and also the big thing too is that the only thing we've got out of action in dreddy right now is that he'll be facing sammy guevara at revolution and dreddy had that huge moment and now it just feels like we have no idea where to go with him like that's one of the other big things on rampage right yeah he's facing him on rampage this week yeah and it's just like action and dreddy he wasn't ready for the push. It, it, it just wasn't. I mean, I don't think he has his gimmick down. I don't think he has like, his character down. I don't think it's polished enough. It's just like, I guess they were going for a one, two, three kid moment, right? Jericho should have came That's back. That's exactly what they were going for. Jericho should have came back and destroyed him the next week, right? And just, you know, boom. Like knocked him off a of television. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, and just like, hey, I know he set him on fire, but I'm just like, He's still around. You you need Jericho needs to put him away to send a message to Ricky Starks, and it's just like it feels like this feud 
could be way hotter. Like, just spitballing, you know, any of us can come up with a way to make this feud hotter, and it just doesn't feel hot. I don't think anyone's really excited to see Chris Jericho versus Ricky Starks. Do I think Chris Jericho versus Ricky Starks is going to deliver? Absolutely. Chris Jericho never lets you down on a pay-per-view. Ricky Starks is an excellent wrestler. It's going to be a good match, but it's just like the build to it has been kind of shitty. If you, uh, for those of you listening, if you will be in the Chase Center for AEW Revolution, this will be the time that I will get up and go to the concessions and grab a drink if you want to come and I'll do meet and greets and hug your <laughs> kids and stuff, all that. Because I, I, I will not, I, I'm telling this is, I love Ricky Starks. I remember Ricky Starks when he was in the NWA and he was the NWA television champion. I enjoy Ricky Starks. This has, to me, has done nothing for Ricky Starks and he should be in a better position to help get him over where he could be facing um you know you think about where he left after you know when he wrestled mjf for the championship and we've had i feel like a massive demotion since then yeah no and here's here's my biggest thing too on that like i said my, my biggest thing honestly is again like i i i'm heavily favoring for i want I want so badly that uh, I need Ricky Starks to have uh, gold right now on around his waist. Um, and I think, me personally, uh, I think having uh, uh, Ricky Starks try to go after Samoa Joe would be so much more interesting, at least for me. It would be so much more interesting for me, but I understand that he's dealing with shit with Darby Allen. But I don't know, man. I just really want Ricky in a title situation. And I think he could be in one right now. It's pretty open for him to, if he wanted, if they wanted to put him in there, but instead we're sticking him back with Jericho. And I just think we're just kind of wasting time. I feel like, but I still think it'll be solid, but I'm, I will say this is a bit disappointing, at least in my mind, but we'll move off from this. We had the acclaimed versus big bill and Lee Moriarty in tag team action. And uh, the one thing about this, I will say, is that uh, we got a nice little SAWFT soft line from uh, Max Caster towards uh, Big Bill, which I was very happy to hear. Also, there's a point where Bill fucking scissors and goes full like face and like it's one of those perfect like just just cut this out and it looks completely batshit like AEW out of context had a field day with this picture of Big Bill. So congrats on that. Um, but in the end, it was an all right match, I will say. You had uh, the guns watching from the top of the ramp, and they also beat the shit out of their dad. Um, however, they ran away once Max Caster came after him. Um, they were still able to get the win and pin Lee Moriarty, um, but the claim was still very mad after seeing uh, Daddy Ass himself get the shit kicked out of him. This is fine, honestly. It got the acclaimed on television, and uh, it got them uh, doing their shtick. Uh, and I thought it was fine. It did what it wanted to do, I guess. Uh, JR, you got anything to add to this? Um, you know, I think I may mention last week, I really have no idea what they've done with the tag team division that was once the greatest division, the greatest tag team division in all professional wrestling. And you, this is for them to get kind of like their shine back after losing the champ- the championship two weeks ago. So I'm very still... Like going, you know, we could talk more about the tag team match for Evolution as, as we get towards the end of the show. But I just, I'm kind of don't know what the plan is moving forward with the acclaim. 
right now. All right, Floyd. Um, yeah, uh, this was a match that happened. It <laughs> happened. Um, Max Caster wrapped. That was good. Um, yeah, I didn't care about anything else that happened. I mean, like, I was going back. I told Austin I was busy at work, so I didn't really get to watch the show, and I was kind of going back and watching it. And I was like, even the second time, I didn't care about this match. Because it's like, like there was it was a match. Nothing was really on the line. It was like, I mean, I've been very kind of, like, I like Big Bill, but, and I've been like, man, he, he looks like, different than everybody on the roster and they're going to really do something with them and they really haven't um lee moriarty is fine as a uh asshole hill they works it's just the firm has like been one of my biggest disappointments it has been no and again they show they show so well about how good you have a uh, stokely hathaway do just talking like he's so good he's very entertaining but the entire firm is just, I feel like it's just there. And it doesn't, nobody sticks out. Nobody has any, like, real, because, again, the whole reason the firm was built was so they could work with MJF and then go their separate ways. Now they're just another nameless faction that's ran by a guy who I think is very entertaining, but the pieces in this group are just there. And there's no fire to it. And there's so much talent in this group. Lee Moriarty's great wrestler. Uh, you know, Big Bill, giant. You could always build him up to fight like Orange Cassidy or somebody because he's always a threat because he's that big. You have Ethan Page. To me, one of... Ethan Page is the biggest one for sure. Ethan Page is one of the most natural heels. When you allow him to play heel, he is one of the most natural heels in wrestling. So good at his job. Such a good wrestler. And you got him tied up in this Matt Hardy, we own your contract crap. I Again, I love Matt Hardy. I loved Matt Hardy. Excuse me. Loved. I want to use past tense. I loved Matt Hardy for a lot of years. But if I never see him wrestle again, I'm okay. And it's not like I want him to retire. Not like anything. I wish anything bad in. He's just... It's so stale. Like everything around the fair firm feels like weak, like two week old bread. Not like I wouldn't even say day old donuts. This is like two week old, left out in the air bread. Nothing is interesting that they do, and it's just it can be because they have so much talent, like so much untapped talent, and it's just like oh, they were supposed to feud with CM Punk. I understand that. I've watched the, I've listened to the podcast. They were supposed to. Say, they can't feud with anyone else. There's no other face guy that the firm could be trying to uh, torment. I mean, is that, I mean, <laughs> it's like CM Punk, the only face in the company. It's like, come on. I mean, I, there's just more to it there. Uh, yeah, it sucked what happened with them, but, you know, you have something here. You have an untapped resource. Stock, Stokely Hathaway is too good to be in the lower card. He's not even the mid card. I would love to call this a mid card faction. It is. A it's low, not. It's a low card first match faction that Hook is going to run through. That's stupid. It's there's so much more talent than there's so much more talent to be done than what they're presenting. Absolutely. Oh, this is kind of a, a this is more of a bigger issue, but this is I think one of the problems when you have three hours of television and you have a very big roster. And to be quite honest, what I would do with most of this talent 
is I would send them to Ring of Honor because if you think of Ethan Page and Big Bill, I first of all change his name because Big Bill reminds me of Big Josh and WCW. It's just it's a very horrible name for him. You gotta figure something else out. Just even if you just call him Morrissey something. And those would be two guys that you could build as threats to Claudio in the Ring of Honor championship. Like there's there has to be something because in a lot of ways they basically they took away places for like teams like people like Butcher and the Blade and people like that who would be in this role. And you know, this is one of the things people are like just wait and see, just wait and see. And it's like, man, we've been waiting and see for Ethan Page forever, and nothing's gotten better for him. Yeah, no, again, I I, I do think you're gonna see because they did announce that next week will be uh the the debut of aid of Ring of Honor television returning back to Honor Club. And I think that's where we're really going to see where the split happens and where you start seeing a lot of guys committing to Ring of Honor and where a lot more guys staying uh, in that role, world instead of uh, AEW. But, that means I have to sign up for Honor for a Club now. Yeah, but I, it does. I've been, it, I've been putting it off, so now I'm going to sign up. I'm, 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 ex- I'm actually excited because I know Tony Khan's vision of Ring of Honor is closer to the early 2000s, the hottest periods of Ring of Honor. So he's going to be just trying to put out bangers. He's just going to be trying to put out, like, amazing matches, you know. And I know that's what they're going to try to do. And I actually, you know, when I went back and watched it, I've always enjoyed Ring of Honor. So uh, he has has the talent. He has the roster to pull it off. So it'd be kind of crazy, you know. Uh, He presents it as something different, and it ends up being just as good. So the buildup to final battle is gonna mean a lot it's gonna super card or super card yeah the build up to super card is gonna mean a lot for roh going forward because they're gonna have to be putting on really good you know these tv matches to sell the pay-per-view last year they just said hey we're gonna give you two of the best tag teams all time and there you go And, and and they sold it they sold it based on that match Two of the best tag teams of all time wrestled. Uh, me and me and Jr. completely changed our plans to be there. Do they have an ace in the hole like that for this show? And it's like, I don't know. You know, you have a lot of talent, but do you have an ace in the hole that you can pull out for the show that's less than what? Not even two months. I was gonna say less than two months away, but no, it's like a month and ten days away. It's like less than a month and a half away. So, I'm I'm looking forward to it. Uh, it's it's it, I can tell you this. It's exactly thirty five days from tomorrow. Is a super card. There you go. And it's like, wh- what do you got? What do you got? And right now, and, <laughs> and the other thing too. The reason I say about the the roster is that before you guys freaking bottom, the roster has already been big. There are names that are not that have are not associated with Ring of Honor that I have concerns about. I don't think Big Bill. And Ethan Page and Lee Moriarty is associated with Ring of Honor because so there are other names like Gates of Agony and Brian Cage, like Ninja Mac was another one. Um, Mercedes that were associated with Ring of Honor that we saw on AW television in some in some way. So that's what I mean is that you still have they have a very extensive roster that is specific to AEW that are not do not get the opportunity to showcase because it's very difficult when you're trying to get that much talent in three hours. Right. And so, um, like I said, I think we probably, we've drawn on about this way too much, but like I said, I'm just, 
it's just it's bad because you have these guys that could do something. And I think back to when I remember the first fall of AEW, we're like, man, look at that tag team private party. They're amazing. They're gonna be future tag team champions. I can't wait. Yeah. And then they're like, and we've and again, this is like I feel like sacrificial lambs, like the time has come and gone. And there's other guys too. Like I say the same thing about Top Flight. I worry about them. Like, could there be? They're at least trying with Top Flight because it's been more unfortunate with them because of how Darius kept getting hurt. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they they put you know Top Flight went over at the last at final battle over to the Kingdom, so they might be you know in the line for a future ROH tag team title shot. Yeah, like I said, that's ROH. We'll talk about ROH. I'm playing on hopefully making a little section of the show every week for ROH, but yeah, let's move on with the rest of the review. Yeah, immediately after this match, we had an uh, on uh, Tony Schiavone up top, and Christian Cage was uh, introduced by Schiavone, um, and then he got jumped by uh, Jack Perry, Jungle Boy. Jungle Boy Jack Perry comes out and attacks Christian Cage. He gets two chairs and goes for a concerto, but then as he goes to hit him, uh, low blow from Christian Cage, and then instead Jungle Boy gets uh, in uh, to the head chair shot, and then he just proceededly just bounced a Jungle Boy's head and slams his head on the chair, and that's when Jungle Boy gets busted open. So Christian uh, was still able to get one over Jungle Boy, and we're we're basically uh, now that Christian Cage is going to be fully healthy to be able to wrestle, and we can get this this match as opposed to you know. Jungle Boy having to fight through uh, Luchasaurus. Um, we'll finally be able to get the blow off of this feud that we've been wanting because now Christian Cage is actually healthy. So I'm very, very much excited for that, um, at least. Because I, I, I did want to see this uh, feud blow off. We just haven't been able to get to, to it because of injury. JR? This, um, this is probably one of... The one of the more intriguing storylines going into Revolution, I have a feeling this is going to be made soon. Jungle Boy Christian Cage at Revolution, and I feel like it's going to be probably like a chair match or something, and it's going to be good. And when I see Christian Cage, I think to myself, you know, we I think a lot of people say MJF is like the best in wrestling today, and then you see Chris Jericho be like, hey, not so fast, motherfucker. Like that, you know, this legend still has some juice, and I will show you how much more of a dastardly heel I can be than anybody else. Because that dude, when he, when he made that turn on like Jurassic express turned on jungle boy, he just, he turned into another gear that, you know, basically you have to be a veteran to hit that level. And that's, and he is, I, you know, up there, like in my opinion, like the number, you know, the number two heel in AEW. Dude. Yeah, no, I, I I agree with that. Yeah, he's an all timer. Uh, but I think the story of this segment, and neither one of you brought it up, so I actually get to make make a point that I'm not just re, uh, restating what you said. I think the story of it is that Jungle Boy couldn't pull the trigger. He had. Oh him yeah, there. how you how, how you he waited had there, him yeah. there? He had him there, and he and he you, you, and Jungle Boy, you know, great with his facial expression because the facial expression sold it. He could have done it. He could have done it. It was right there. But he doesn't have that killer instinct to pull it off yet. 
And I think that's going to end up being resolved by the end of this. But it was such a perfect moment. You're, he is a good guy. He is a baby face, right? I, this dude is prone. I'm not trying to end his career. This dude led me to the tag team title. He was my mentor for a year. I love this man. He couldn't pull the trigger. And because he couldn't pull the trigger, Christian, being the asshole that he is, was able to give him a nut shot. And then Christian lets you know, I'll pull the trigger all day. I'll put five in you before you even know what happened, before you even have a chance to question. So the chair in this case is going to be the story of the match. And I'm looking forward to what kind of match we get at um, at a revolution. Because I don't think it's going to be a regular singles match. But, you know, it can't be really a Texas death match. So maybe it's like a no holds barred match. I just want to, I wonder what they're going to come up with. All right. Well, we move on now to Sky Blue versus Soraya. And we got more heel Soraya as she flipped off the crowd and was doing a bunch of shit. Um, I love that we got to see more Soraya. Uh, and uh, more, well, actually, more. what I meant to say was I'm, I'm glad we got to see more Sky Blue because uh, we've been seeing a good amount of Saray and she's been doing – she seems to be getting better every single time we see her, which is always great. Um, but uh, Sky Blue really did a strong job in this small little match, I feel like. Um, and thanks to Tony Storm distracting, uh, Sky Blue got hit with a thrust kick, and then that's when uh, – what was basically the page turner – uh, was uh, was held on uh, uh, Sky, and they were uh, Soraya got the win. Uh, they were about to spray paint uh, Sky Blue when Dr. Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter rushed the ring, and uh, eventually, though, as they went up the ramp, they got caught uh, with Ruby Soho coming out and stopping them in their tracks, um, and that was kind of the end of that whole ordeal. Um, and while I do like heel Soraya, and I think uh, that whole idea has been uh, she she's been wearing it really well. Um, I'll tell you what, dude. Like I still can't see, even with the star power that we have with this women's division, uh, with people like Soraya, with people like Britt Baker, Jamie Hayter is who's getting up there big time. Ruby Soho and uh, and uh, Tony Storm. I'm still not getting the kind of stories that I wish we could get with the women's division. And it's just like, again, I don't know if this whole, like kind of the idea of like, you know, Soraya and Tony storm are being like, you've never been anywhere. And then like kind of being like the WWE people, but then also the, you're like, you're basically getting towards like what the JAS was with sports entertainment versus pro wrestling. You're almost like retelling that story kind of, but just with the women and I just don't think it works because as much as I love JAS versus Blackpool Combat Club and all that kind of stuff, pro wrestling versus sports entertainment, it was hokey. It was hokey, but they also went full throttle and did crazy shit like the Anarchy in the Arena match. I just don't know. like Because, again, we're just getting carried on with the T- TBS championship becoming stale because it's, again, just Jade winning every single week and nothing changes. Um, and they haven't officially given us something to latch on to of like who can finally beat her. And Jamie Hayter is world champion. I love, but I want a legitimate storyline of her like facing one person and it being like, like, let's go. 
and we're just not there and they're just trying to get a bunch of the girls involved and it just kind of the, the story isn't interesting enough to warrant everyone being involved yeah trying to tell the story uh i mean i i mean the match was the match match happened trying to tell the story in five to ten minutes every week it's not working it's uh i think what you're gonna have to do is use rampage a little bit more and you're gonna have to use twitter and you're gonna have to use to youtube and you're gonna have to use all of these uh, to tell the story that you're trying to tell in a more full way. Because it feels like we're getting part of the story, the beginning part of the story. But generally, if you're watching a movie, TV show, anything, any form of entertainment, even if you're, even if you're wrong, you should have an idea where something's going, right? And right. a lot of people are making up their own opinions, like, this is going to go women's blood and guts. And I'm like... I don't really understand how you're jumping to that logic because it doesn't like nothing I've seen has led me to believe women's blood and guts other than people really, really wanting it to happen. So it's just like right now the story is so kind of convoluted that I don't know what I'm rooting for or who I'm rooting for. I know Soraya and Tony Storm are supposed to be the heels. They're supposed to be. But why kind of? And it's like, and I know Britt's supposed to be, and Jamie's supposed to be the face, but why? Like, I really don't, like, I need more explanation of motivation to I, to make me want to pick a side, you know? Uh, right. To, to make me want to be involved in this. And it's just like, the first couple weeks when Tony Storm and Soraya, uh, first Soraya went hill, and they were establishing themselves, it was exciting, but it feels like we need to go to whatever the next step is. Yes. No, again, I'm 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 extremely on that point. Yeah. JR, did you want to add anything? Um, you know, for me, the first thing I see every time and I get kicked out of it because nostalgia is like that. I feel like this is like a NWO outsiders versus you know WCW type thing, especially that when they brought out the can of spray paint, I'm like, oh, this is definitely like I'm getting like these these you know flashbacks from Hall and Nash hitting people with spray cans and spray paint NWO on their back. I you know they're trying something you know especially because a lot of people say you need more women on television. They're trying. It's just I, I will say this: At, we're going to get to revolution, and revolution is the end of the beginning of this. Like we're going to, in my opinion, I think you're going to see something significant happen in revolution at least I hope, that will launch this to have more depth as we get towards... Like This is something that I think they're planning this to go into like the summer. I think. like This is not a short... This isn't going to stop now. Um, the one thing I do want to make mention is while they do focus on Brit and with that hater, because hater has became extremely popular with her affiliation with Brit, and Tony Storm and Soraya are two of the bigger names that they brought in. They are kind of killing their own, you know, besides Tater and Britt, like their own like original women that they that mm -hmm. brought in the beginning. And one of the big ones I think that's suffering because of this is their TBS champion, Jay Cargo, where she's just she comes out once every two, three weeks, faces somebody. I think Floyd Joke faces Red Velvet 35 times and beats her. Like, it's kind of like you need to, 
further her along because she is a star. She has a great look. You need something for her to stick her teeth into. And what I'm afraid is all of this, like right now, I don't even see her being on the revolution. And if she is, it's just gonna be like, oh, have her face. Like I remember when they did this with Sheeta, they were like, oh, just have her face Nyla Rose. And it's just like, why? Like, why are you doing that? You're not building towards anything with Jade as she should be somebody that's your focal point as a champion and as essentially being your number two woman in the division because she is the TBS champion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And her belt is in, in essence is the a belt right now. And the thing is you do want to treat Jade, right? Because I don't know when her contract's up, but, uh, I can see the old E and old triple H throwing a lot of money her way. You know what I mean? And it's like, that's something you don't want to happen. And like I said, it's just, you have a lot of time and, you know, you have some brilliant wrestling minds in the back and I'm, maybe we're just at the beginning and I'm going to be like, oh my God, this is where it was leading to the whole time. But right now it's like, and I'm all about the slow burn, but this is like, this is like a steel burn, not a slow burn. I don't, you know, we need to feel progression. And are we building to Ruby picking a side? Is that what it's going to? I don't feel like that's been really defined. And I think you can use Twitter, YouTube, those type of things to really define that Tony Storm, uh, Ruby is the tweener, right? Even though she did come from WWE, she's like, she has gotten her star power in AEW, right? So she's kind of an original and she's kind of a, you know, and she's kind of an outsider. So I think the idea that they're fighting for her could be turned up and made less. Uh, in this case, I want you to be more obvious with it. Tell the story. Ruby's got to pick. Ruby's got to pick. Maybe she's choosing not to pick, but Ruby has to pick seems to be the story that it's going to right now. Right. Yeah, so again, we'll see where things pair off with that. But I will say it's just disappointing that we just haven't seemed to make, despite the new pieces that have been added in, the stories being told with the women's division, for the most part, haven't been consistently strong. And I wish we'd get better in that regard. We then move off to uh, the promo battle between Brian Danielson and MJF, which was the, one of the like stealing the show moments for sure. Um and Danielson talked about how MJF, um, he want, he's going to do everything in his power to beat him for that title. But look, he, want, he hates me. You put a bounty on my head, tried to injure me, and you hate me. You hospitalized my, my mentor, William Regal, and you hate me. And Danielson was then interrupted by MJF, who explained why he hated him. He said, um, you may have everybody fooled, but I, you... Uh, you and I know who you really are and who I really am. He said, Daniel, uh, MJF then basically talked about how he met the love of his life, wanted to have a family, have kids with this woman that he loved. He proposed to this woman and thought he was going to spend the rest of his life with this woman, and she left him. And it was very heavily implied that he was referencing um, his then fiance, who he got engaged to back in August. Um, who apparently, according to people, this is a fucking shoot and that his fiance did leave him. I won't go any further in that because I don't want to pry into a man's personal uh, life, even though 
the fans were chanting you deserve it at him which was a fucking amazing amazing touch um despite that as much as mjf is a piece of shit i'm not gonna pry into the man's business i i just do i i don't want to get into that but he says the only thing i have in this life that i can trust is this triple b the aw world heavyweight championship but look not you people will chant for you they'll cheer for you and this is the thing you have something I'll never have, a family, a beautiful wife, two beautiful children, but you take it all for granted. You know why I hate you? It's not just because these people think you're better than me because that will not be true on March 5th, but you have more, had more concussions than anyone in this business, and you're still in my sport? You, you, every time you step foot in this ring, you say wrestling is more important than your family. You're spitting in the face at everything. You're taking everything I killed for for granted, a family – a love life, all that kind of stuff. You're worse than William Regal because you're addicted to the spotlight, and I'm going to punish you for everything you've taken for granted. And that's when he starts talking down the camera towards Birdie and his his other his his two kids, and he says, "I'm going to make Dad Dad pay for all his selfishness. I'm going to make sure to rip his arm out of socket so he can't pick you up again. And he's going to hit him over and over and over again. And he's going to give him an, a gift on March on March fifth. Early on said CTE until Danielson proceeded to jump him and fucking beat the shit out of him. And this having Danielson then roll out of the ring and then fucking just clock MJF across the face on the outside. This feud is red hot and MJF again doing an outstanding work of making it personal and getting under uh, Danielson's skin. It's what he does best. The dude's just unreal levels of good at this. Um... And I want to get your guys' thoughts on this promo, uh, and then I want to ask something, too, that I've I've heard, and I want to get your thoughts on first. But getting into this segment first, let's go to JR first, because I want to get your guys' thoughts on this. You know, for all the criticisms that I, I have of AEW, one of the things that I feel like they've done almost, like, batting a thousand is the storylines revolving around the AEW World Championship. And they and it should be that's your main championship that's the championship that is going to main event a pay-per-view that you expect people to spend hundreds of dollars to come in to an arena or spend i don't know what was the 50 plus dollars it is on pay-per-view and mjf is as i mentioned earlier is the number one heel uh in aw and is able to tap and say things in a way that makes people feel a certain way about him that includes wanting to see him get beat with an inch of his life. And, you know, they've done, this is basically the fourth time he's done something like this. You know, you got to go through these, you know, these multiple layers in order to face me and then they do it. And then he gets, as the closer we get, he gets personal and personal. And, I I enjoy it. One of the things I read, and I didn't fully understand this, is I don't want to say it was a cons- criticism, but some people some people are saying is like, you know, MJF he kind of says the same thing over and over again in in his promos to like get to his opponent, and some people are afraid that eventually now that he's in a mark, you know, he's always been in a top role since Cody back in uh, 2020 was that he may become stale. And I didn't really understand what they were saying. Like I understand the importance of not being stale, 
but I didn't understand them saying like, oh, he's he says the same thing over and over again repetitively. I, mean, I don't know if you guys listen to anything like that. I, I've seen it, but in this case, the one thing I do love is this was completely catered to Brian Danielson and Brian Danielson's life and how it directly tied to MJF's life. And I thought this was a whole unique take on it. It was something I literally like never heard before. That take on it that, you know, you don't deserve this because you have something I can't have. And it was just like, it was to the point that I didn't even appreciate it until I went back and watched the segment the second time. The first time I watched the segment, I was like, oh, this is heavy handed. I don't like this. Like that, that was my initial reaction. I think JR, you were on the phone with me when I said that. That was my initial reaction is that I was like, this is very heavy handed. It, it's, it's too serious for wrestling. And then I watched it and I was just like, this dude made this. He's done this whole thing where it's like, oh, you got to follow, go through these stages of hell to get to me that he's done with everybody. And he cuts his promo and I'm better than you and I know it. And it is, has been the same thing. This is different. This meal's different. It feels like he actually hates this man and he hates the idea that this man is better than him. And it felt very Lex Luthor versus Superman. That's I don't know why, but that's kind of a feel I got for it. And it just, dude, yeah, I, I, I thought that this was epic. I thought this was a great promo. And like I said, I didn't appreciate it until the second time I listened to it. But he definitely came off comic supervillain bad. And it was for amazing. for certain, for certain. Um, now, the one thing I want to ask you guys, because this was the thing that was brought up to me that I thought was an interesting point, and I want to get your thoughts on it. Uh, someone was making the complaint that AEW felt boring, and one of the reasons why they, they, they said that they could pinpoint the exact moment that AEW became boring, and it was when MJF won the world title. And he said because MJF is a one-dimensional character, a great one-dimensional character, but a one-dimensional character, you do not make... Uh, a one-dimensional villain the main character of your tv show because it sna- stagnates the rest of the show thoughts on that kind of complaint i think calling a uh, calling mjf one-dimensional is the most short-sighted and simplistic way to describe one of the best heels in wrestling history okay i just think dude when's the last time he had a match that didn't deliver right this dude can wrestle Right, he could put on amazing matches. He's basically he can like I, I I'm just using this as an example of nobody. I'm not saying he's this guy, but he's like flaring the ring and Piper on the mic. You know what I mean? And it's just like I know those are high opinions to say, but I was trying to use people that everyone can you know identify with. You know what I mean? He's really good when it's time to wrestle, and when it's time to cut promos, he's really good. But who's cutting promos like him? Right. Who's talking about personal things that's happening in their real life like that? Who's talking about growing up as a Jewish kid getting bullied, you know, in his storylines? Who's doing this? Because I don't know anyone's doing this. 
I don't remember Triple H talk about being bullied at 11 years old. And, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't understand this and how that has changed him and made his view. He is giving you his villain origin story every time he cuts a promo. That right. he's not just bad. He didn't just show up bad. People have made him bad. People have made him not trust. People have made him hate. He doesn't feel like he's normal. He doesn't feel like having a family is for him. The only thing that matters to him is power. And that's where I said the Lex Luthor thing comes from. That's where I get that from. I get him as a wrestling's Lex Luthor. And in, you know, and when Lex Luthor was in on the, uh, he's trying to world domination. That's his thing. He was trying to be the most powerful person in the world. In wrestling, to be the most powerful person in the world is to hold the world title, right? So now MJF has that world title, and he will do anything to keep it because it's more important to him than marriage. It's more important to him than family, than food, and the water. And the idea that, Daniel, that Brian Danielson already has all that, plus he wants his world title, sickens him there you go uh jr did you want to add anything to that critique i just wanted to mention it though but like because again i i disagreed with it i could see where he's coming from and he made the thing he loves uh him as a wrestler and all that kind of stuff but he just felt like he was one-dimensional i'm like in a vacuum yes but in reality no i would say i would disagree in that regard um you know, I think there's a lot of things you can criticize AEW about, and there's been some, I think, issues that has affected some of their television and pay-per-views um, in the last year or so, but that has no bearing or that's not at fault of MJF. MJF, what he is able to do, and, and I always say this, wrestling is not complicated. Wrestling wants to, people really want a good guy and a bad guy, and they want to see the bad guy get his ass kicked. And so when you have a heel champion, the whole thing is that he's a sniff, you know, it, it could be a heel in very different ways, but essentially he's a dastardly person who would do anything to keep his championship. And you want to see the good guy, you know, overcome every obstacle or barrier um, to get that championship away from him. So I think you can keep doing this with challenger after challenger and it's going to work because you want because the the longer his reign goes, the more you want to see somebody take that belt from him. So let's say after let's say after Revolution, he's still champion, and let's say the next guy up, Jungle Boy, it's like you're gonna want to see Jungle Boy do whatever it takes, but to hopefully get the belt off of him. Yeah. No. Again, I. It's going to build to that point for certain, for absolute certain. I think it's going to build to that point. Um, but it's just, again, you're, it's going to be really interesting to see who they decide to be that guy that really tries to take it to him. Because I love Brian Danielson, but I don't think they're ending MJF like that. No, he's going to go for a while. All I will say is be very careful you don't reach the level of like a Triple H uh, reign of terror. We don't want that. Because that run from like mid two thousands was hell. Um, it's just it, it. You know, the one thing, the most important thing with MJF is who's next. And I can handle a six month run. I can handle your run. That's fine. But in that time, build the guy that 
not only do you want him to be champion, fans need him to be champion. I don't know right. who it's going to be right now. I think there's a lot of different ways you can go. I actually like Adam Cole for that role right now. That's that's where I'm at. But somebody else could come along during this time, could get hot, and I could go for them. But it's just it's very important that you plant the seeds that whoever this person is is coming. And when it happens, it's this big moment. You know, the the people from the backstage, because MJF has been terrible, terrible, come out and carry them out. Like when Sting beat Ric Flair, it's just you have when you have this generational heel, you need a generational face. Yeah, there you go. Uh, I, I, I will I will say one thing though, uh, and Floyd is right about that is that you have to build somebody up because one of the things and that's hard and we talked and I mentioned this earlier when you have the, the roster sizes, people are not consistently on a weekly show, and it's hard for people to buy in to a talent when they don't see them on a consistent weekly basis. So whoever it is that you're going to have, you need to have them. Let's say the goal is to get to all out. They need to be on TV now and slowly start building up that momentum where it's like when it's time, like you're like, fuck, I cannot wait for that guy to face MJF to take that belt off of him. There you go. Well, we then had a real quick thing where they said uh, Jamie Hayter wanted to make uh, her revolution title match a three way match between uh, Ruby Soho and. Soraya, so that was pretty much confirmed. So Soraya versus Ruby Soho versus uh, Jamie Hader. I did have this question, and again, this is probably like one of the more negative episodes, <laughs> even though I'm trying not to be. But I always wonder, did they have an idea, or did they be like, okay, we haven't built either one of them up, so let's just do a three-way? Because it really does feel thrown together. A little bit, yes, but also... I mean, listen, I'm all for Jim, uh, Ruby Soho being in title matches, even though she won't win. No, but it, yes, it does. It does feel it does feel thrown together because it doesn't feel like Ruby Soraya versus Jamie Hayter is strong enough on its own to be a solo match. Because, again, the fact that they've tried to get all the girls involved has not given the title like a strong solo feud. You know what I mean? It hasn't been one person like going after the other person. My gut says my gut has been, and we'll talk about this next week when we actually do the preview, but my gut says Ruby turns and wins the title. That's been my gut. All right. Well, I don't agree with that, but we'll get into that next week, I think, yeah, more yeah, so. Yeah, well, definitely, because hopefully the next episode of the show will, you know, you know, give us a little more color on what's coming at the pay-per-view. For sure. We then had the Revolution Tag Team Battle Royal to determine one of the two remaining tag teams that will be in the uh, four-way for the AEW World Tag Team Championships, which have the claimed and the guns already in there. So this would determine one of those teams. Uh, teams that were involved were the Lucha Bros, Butcher and Blade, Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal, Top Flight, Best Friends, John Silver and Alex Reynolds, Aussie Open, Angela Parker and Matt Menard, and Aria Davari and Tony Nese. FTR is nowhere to be found. Don't know where where they were. They just weren't on TV again. The story, just, the story that they've been consistent on, and it, Dax has been very consistent on, is they're sitting out till April. I don't, that's what, it's I what don't, they said. I, I, yeah, I don't believe it at all. I mean, I, I think I think they're working us all, but they're saying, "Hey, 
we're going to sit out in the April and then we're going to decide where we're going. So, you know, they kind of sound like the old men that have been beaten up or whatever. I don't believe it. I haven't believed it. I didn't believe it when they said it. <laughs> that they were, I was like, it's just when you, like, unless they're hurt in a way and they're not telling anyone, when you have two people that love wrestling as much as they do, they're not going to sit up and waste three healthy months. You know what I mean? Like, sure, absolutely. As, as a pro people that see... You know, this as you know, they're they're getting to that finishing line of their career. They're going to waste three healthy months. No, no, I don't see that happening. But no, they weren't in this match. Uh, and God, I, um, let me just say, I have an irrational love for the United uh, United Empire Aussie Open, who is in the United Empire. They're not called yes. United Empire. I have an irrational love for them. And you want to talk about a heartbreaking moment? My heart cracked a little bit when they got eliminated. <laughs> By Butcher and Blade, yeah. Yes. I was like, why? Why? Because in my mind, it was there was like there was no other option. They they are the best young tag team in the world. I I, I tr- truly believe that. And I say young, but I think they've both been wrestling like ten years because they started when they were like fetuses or whatever, and they're the best young tag team in the world and it's to me not even relatively close i mean there are more established tag teams but dude never seen these two people have a bad match you know especially in the last few years so when they got eliminated oh my god it's like you know you know everybody says wrestling's not real my heartbreak when they got eliminated was real (laughs) that was real i really felt that and no no uh i thought this battle royal was fun i like the idea of, you know, both people having to be eliminated. I liked who ended up being at the end, except, you know, with the exception of Aussie Open not being there. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I really did like it. Uh, JR, what'd you think, sir? Also, Roosh and Preston Vance were in the match, too. I, will, I forgot to mention that. Oh, yeah, and they've been hot, and they've, they've been winning a lot of matches on Dark, and they've been tearing the mask off the people that they've been wrestling. I know we don't talk a lot about Dark and Dark Elevation, but that's important for this because, you know, everybody will be like, why are they in this match? No, they've been winning a lot as a tag team on those other shows. Yeah, this, this is one of the most... Um, terrible times in tag team wrestling I've ever seen. You have uh, a very young, inexperienced tag team as the tag team champions, and you have uh, an old vet and an even older vet puts like mashup put together that won the tag team battle royale. I have no idea what they're doing. I could book this whole thing better within 30 seconds uh, for, for a claim to continue their tag team run and going to revolution. I don't know what this sets up. I don't like any of this. If F- and unless FTR is in this match, this will probably be about bathroom break. I am, I I can't stress enough how terrible this is. And if anybody, I say this, if anybody thinks this is good, please explain to me why you think this is good. Because if all this was done to get a fucking pop of the acclaim becoming a two-time champion in San Francisco, they would equally get that same pop if they would have faced a formidable op- opponent. And they, what I said by, you know, making a better thing, why couldn't they build up, especially because we talk about, oh, people with Jericho, they get the rub. Why didn't you build up 2.0 to be a formidable opponent? 
Butcher and Blade has been a heel team. They have a great look. Why weren't they built been built up for, for the last fucking three years to be a heel tag team to go against the acclaim? Something other than this hodgepodge team of Lethal and Jarrett, and I love them because they're great, but they're not a tag team. And the gun club, no one fucking wants to see them as champions. And people say, well, that's heat. No, I'm sorry. That's not heat. I don't want to see you on my television. I want to change your channel when you're on TV. I said my piece. There you go. There you go. Well, I, I, when I look at this and this tag team division, uh, I mean, it is far short of the tag team wrestling could be main event wrestling that we were, uh, you know, you know, kind of sold at the beginning. But I, I, you know, I I like that the claim they're really trying to push them. They, you know, you have to build new tag teams. You have to push new talent. The claimed in the guns is new talent. The Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett thing. I, I don't know. I, I, I'm you're like I am the best at coming up with spin. I'm just like I I just don't know. You know I know this is going to be a four way smiles. It just feels like you could put top flight in there. You could put uh, anybody else in there, and they're just going to show some it. love to my goddamn best friends, dude. Best I friend. I want yeah. please. Yeah, I mean best friends were literally at the opening. <laughs> of AEW in their gene stuff. So it's like they've been there at the beginning and it's just like when's the last time they got a title uh a title opportunity as it's, you know the best they, friends basically become Orange Cassidy and the OCs. Yes, and it's like no, I mean there's there's a lot of teams right now. A lot of teams in the tag team division that you know could be used the time and I always say you're you're putting on these mid rampages at times, right? You know, and it's just like it feels like at any point in time you could take two of these teams, put them together, and they put on a banger on rampage. You could say, oh, okay, uh, top flight and uh, top flight, John Silver and Alex Reynolds go out there and throw on a match, and they're gonna put on an amazing match. And you know, everybody in that ring, you know, that's the whole thing. They have one of the most talented tag team divisions ever. It's just. They don't seem particularly interested in booking them a lot of times. And next week, I mean, I've seen the, the I've had two FTR things going off in a way, and my obvious was FTR comes back, uh, and comes back uh, next week, and they're the Joker in the Casino Tag Team Battle Royal. But I honestly leaning a little differently lately, and uh, I don't know why. Just a gut feeling that. We go into the Fatal 4-Way, the guns win, and then FTR shows up afterwards. Because to me, if you're going to do this right, it needs to be FTR versus the guns. It needs to be an acclaim versus the guns. We need to get two-on-two matches, not Fatal 4-Ways. But we will see. But, I, you know, they need something. And that, that line of that 14 needs to bring something. I was shocked it wasn't the Lucha Bros this week. I, right. I, I, and I again, thought, I thought it was going to be clearly them because those are the kind of matches these eight men just matches. Those are the kind of matches they thrive in. Like for sure, you put Lucha Bros in a no rules match. I I don't remember they don't fail. So I'm just like, how are they not in this match? And they went with Jay Lethal and Jeff Jeff Jarrett, and I'm just like, dude, if Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett win the tag team division, I might walk out the show. I'm just saying, if they win the tag team titles. I might just walk out. Yes. I mean, I'll, say this, I'll say this. And we talk about building up tag teams. If you think, honestly, every team inside there, if you think of teams who are actually been built up on television, they push Jay Lethal and Jared as a team more than I think in the last 
few months than they anybody else who's been that was in that that battle royal. I think the other reason why they won is because I'm hoping and I'm praying is that you typically when you do for anything that's even, whether it's a four way or um, or like a something like a, 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 a yeah a six man, that it's typically even numbers for like kills and baby faces. So I'm hoping, I'm assuming they have to have a big baby face team win next week to offset the two heel teams of the gun club and lethal and Jarrett. Yeah, that's the big thing too. I I'm, I'm hoping and praying that like, of course they, they set up to have uh, the guns and lethal and, and uh, Jarrett as the easy people to boo the shit out of. Um, and people to take the pins hopefully would be Jared and lethal. Um, but no, um, I think it's a fair thing to say that the tag division has definitely taken a hit. It doesn't feel like as unbelievably stacked as it used to be. Um, and I think it's just mostly just because the new toys that have come in have seen, uh, a lot of attention and just some guys that we thought could be tag team champions, like best friends or silver and Reynolds or, Fucking like you said, uh, like maybe mm-hmm. top flight. Uh, yeah, or... I was about to say if you would have told me six months ago that the guns were going to win the tag belts before top flight, I would have told you. Obviously, you don't watch the show. You're yeah, gonna, next you're, thing you're going to tell me is that the Varsity Blondes are going to start winning gold. Yeah, because I'm like, you know, like top flight. Ever since they debuted, has been booked in a very positive light. Unlike the guns, who was <laughs> like, and it was just like. Oh, they just won the titles. And, you know, it's fine. You know, I like wrestling. You know what I mean? I say that because sometimes in wrestling, shitty people win. Win. You know, that's the goal. So I understand the guns right. being the champion right now, I guess. But it's just like, it's all about who wins it. And it's, if it just goes back to the acclaim, it feels like, you remember Randy Orton beat Drew McIntyre? And then Drew McIntyre just won it back? And it was like, why the fuck did we do that? Why did that happen? Right. So if the claim just went it back, it's like why? Because it can't be the LA, it can't be the San Francisco pop. It's like why? I don't know. Maybe, maybe they'll explain it better. It just it seemed like pointless, you know. I don't know. Right. All right. Well, we then moved to the massive announcement, which we already talked about, all access, uh, and then we got to the main event: John Moxley versus Evil Uno. And holy shit, dude, am I so glad that we get to start leave the show off with some legit positive shit because this was so fucking good. Uno bled to death for this main event. And if you think about where Evil Uno was like three years ago or like fucking not, not even three or four years ago, back in 2019, when they would they ended Dynamite one night with fucking the Dark Order's first iteration and it was awful. And then you got Evil Uno just dying on his sword in front of John Moxley, but not stopping no matter how much blood he gushed out of his fucking mask. Dude, the image of that was unreal. And it was gruesome. It was kind of hard to watch. But dude, I got so much respect for Evil Uno. Like, that was fucking hell. And again, Moxley looked like a killer. It added more fire to when Hangman came down and started beating the shit out of him. It gave that Moxley uh, Hangman rematch so much more to look forward to off of that. And then you also threw in Silver and Reynolds after the match coming down and then Yuta and Claudio. So you've got something you can build off of immediately right there. Um, 
and dude, this was just fucking vicious, and it was a crazy way to close close out the show. Um, and I, I got nothing bad to say about this. This was really, really fucking good. Uh, Jr., go to you. No, um, one of the things uh, I think people may not see Evil Uno on television, but he definitely works. He works on the indies. He really tries to you know continue his craft. For a long time before I got involved in independent wrestling, I kept hearing about man, the best tag team in pro wrestling is the Super Smash Bros. And I was like, who are these guys you're talking about? And then I see them debut um, at Double or Nothing 2019 in Vegas. And, you know, you see Stu, you see Evil Uno. And, you know, it's just, it is, this match shows people, if you've never seen him before, this guy's a hell of a wrestler. He's a hell of a talent. He just doesn't get enough TV time or um, or has gotten TV time, you know, in AEW and is being relegated to a spokesperson. But, you know, he could go and they put on both. I think they him and Moxley beat the crap out of each other, obviously, as Evil Uno was left bleeding. But, you know, they gave a main event um, that every, they should be proud of. And Evil Uno, I mean, you think about what he did in professional wrestling as, you know, as being a, a as, you know, a, as a veteran, you know, he earned a spot like this to be a main, to have his main event moment. You know, he main evented AW dynamite against the former two time AW world champion, John Moxley. <laughs> so it was, I, I really enjoyed it. I like physical matches and it was definitely right up my alley. Uh, yeah. Uh, amazing match. Uh, I have been, uh, on the evil Uno train for a long time uh, because, like, I was told for a lot of time that they were the best tag team. Him and Stu were the best tag team you never heard of. And, you know, I, I, uh, I didn't go back and watch. And then, you know, they debuted, so I did go back and watch. And I was like, man, these dudes are phenomenal, super athletic or whatever. And, unfortunately, the Dark Order, you know, has reached a point of it was almost a joke. Right? I mean, it, it was a punchline. You know, half the damn Dark Order is gone. They don't even work for AEW anymore. So it was funny that in a way, in the storytelling, they addressed that. He's like, not only does no one else take us serious, Hangman, our guy, our friend, the person that we're supposed to team up with and have his back and he's supposed to love each other, he doesn't even take us serious. He doesn't even, he thinks the Blackpool Combat Club is too much of killers for us to even have his back. And I just like, in that little moment when Evil Uno, his voice, his inflection, and all that conveyed that in a very little time. Then he backed it up with his performance. He backed it up. They told an amazing story that Evil Uno did not care about beating John Moxley. It would have been great, but it wasn't about that. It was about proving to his friend that if he needs someone to have his back, that he can count, he can count on, that Hangman can count on Evil Uno. He can count on John Silver. He can count on Alex Reynolds. That beating he took, the bleeding out of his face, the fact that he wouldn't tap, he didn't do that to prove that he was tough. He did that to prove to Hangman that he could have his back. And that is a story I don't think I've ever seen told in wrestling. Like, that is a completely different take on this. It's just like, dude, we have your back. 
And by every time you tell us to stay in the back, every time you tell us to not get involved, you're disrespecting us to our face. So I'm going to show you that I can have your back. And I thought that was awesome. This story, The Dark Order and Hangman, has been about friendship, unreluctant friendship the whole time it's been a thing. And I love where it seems to be going, even to the point where Hangman's music seemed to, uh, when he came out, seemed to embrace the Dark Order a little bit. I know you'll get to that, but I just, I just, I like the story last night went away that I wasn't expecting, and I loved it. No, it was just really, really stellar stuff. It closed out Dynamite in a really good way. We we had a lot of things that we kind of were especially critical of. But again, a lot of the main stuff that AEW does is fucking stellar. The show did over a million viewers again. Um, they're really doing um, consistently well. And again, despite the complaints of like, oh, no, all oh, the product's stale, all that kind of stuff. Oh, it's boring. It's falling off. You know, everything's gone to hell in a handbasket. They're still doing really well. Warner Media is out here still very happy with how AEW is doing. Um, and despite the pot shots that are being thrown by Michael Cole and the dude who talks MMA, MMA sometimes. Oh, 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 you just triggered me. Hold on. I got you. <laughs> this is actually the reason JR is on the show. Uh, yep. This is actually the reason he's on the show because he wanted to talk about the uh, the nerd. So talk about the nerd. We'll, we'll let him go completely on that, and then we'll start doing our preview for next for. I, I'm just gonna say this. I w- I'm gonna say because we've got on way too long. Because I'm gonna say it short as concise. I am a supporter of Ara Hawani. I have followed Ara Hawani for over a decade since he made his bef- be- before he even got a chance in the UFC when he was calling other things. And Ara Hawani is one of the is by far the best journalist in mixed martial arts. He was always giving the most, the best questions, the tough questions to his detriment. He is one of the few MMA reporters who is legitimately blacklisted from the UFC. And there's a lot of rumors and people were like, oh, it's because he turned on Dana. No, what happened was, he pissed off Dana White because he kept breaking news and doing things that Dana White didn't like. And it came to a boiling point, which was at UFC 199 in Inglewood at the forum. He broke uh, two stories. One was that Nate Diaz was going to match up against Conor McGregor at UFC 202. And then the second one, which was the Charlotte broke the camel's back, was that Brock Lesnar was going to... Uh, return to at UFC 200 and that led to him kind of be on the blacklist he kind of got his credentials back but it got I mean once the company got sold he wasn't able to essentially do those pressers and it became a very volatile relationship he went over to ESPN to work for ESPN to cover MMA shortly after he went for ESPN to cover MMA ESPN signed a deal with UFC while he was part of ESPN Literally, if Dana White was in the area, Erhawani would have to walk out of the building. He would have to go in another direction because Dana White did not want to see him. When Erhawani was tasked by Showtime to cover Floyd Mayweather versus Conor McGregor, Dana White called Showtime Sports and says, you cannot have Erhawani cover this match. Erhawani was supposed to cover UFC for BT Sport. Dana White called BT Sports and says, 
you cannot have this guy cover UFC, which is what led to Air Hawani calling, uh, work basically covering or doing work for WWE on BT Sport. And this all has led to this drastic thing. Uh, you know, this is the road that led to eventually, um, as Air Hawani doing that, there's a, there's, uh, there's always three sides to a story, Austin. And I think you would probably know better than anybody as you're in journalism. There's, there's your story, there's my story, then there's the truth. And somewhere in the middle, you'll find the answer. And, uh, you know, from rumors from AEW side is that, uh, you know, he kept asking these questions and was told not to involve in so-and-so. According to Air Hawani, no such thing ever happened. There, he, That they came to him and asked, hey, do you want to interview Tony Khan? Nothing was told to him. And he said this on his show. Nothing was said to him about um that you cannot ask these questions and the i think the thing is this is going to be a completely different topic for like a journalism podcast is that i think erwan is a journalist when it's time when it does mma but he the weird thing is it looks like he is more of a personality because he does wwe work for bt sport because that's what they have him do since he can't cover UFC UFC. So there is a, it's a weird thing. Cause it's like, Hey, I'm a report. I'm a journalist in this area, but I'm a personality on this area. It's like if Pat McAfee was doing work for the, for the New York times and all of a sudden he has his podcast, it's, it seems like it's two different things, but the point, the issue that I have, and I always have this with Tony Khan and I know people love Tony Khan cause he's one of us and all this stuff. I still maintain that you are a president of All Elite Wrestling. You are an executive of the Jacksonville Jaguars. You're an executive of full NFC. And I think there is a standard that you need to live by and an example that you have to set for everybody else. And when you bring yourself down to antagonize someone like Erehawani for no reason... That looks bad on you more than it does on him because at this point, Erhawani, I remember that dude was, I think, mousy when I first started seeing him. He never wanted to have conflict. He has been basically beat down so much by bullies. And Dana White's a bully that when he sees that from a billionaire who's doing the exact same thing, he's going to say, hey, guess what? Fuck you. I don't care what you have to say. I'm going to call you out on your bullshit. And I, the one thing that I've never seen anybody accuse Erhawani of is being a liar. So he says he has tapes to to va- to validate his side of the story and that. So that's my point of contentions I always had. This even goes back to the big swole thing with 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 Tony right. Khan. Is that I I I mean. Like, I just feel like you're worse than Mark Cuban and like for the Dallas Mavericks. Like, uh, you've got to have some level of professionalism. And I mean, I'm just being serious. And, and, you you know, I'll jump in here because I I, I have a staunch defense for this. First of all, Ariel Hawani means nothing to me. I don't care about his opinion. I don't care about his existence. I'm like, I don't want anything bad to happen to the man. I just don't care. He's an MMA guy. He's not from our world. You know, whatever. He, he, He was a fan in the audience uh, for WWE, whatever, right? The problem is, is that people take what he's saying, he's a journalist, take what he's saying serious 
about our world. He doesn't respect it, doesn't care about it, whatever. Thing with Tony Khan is, in the NFL, pretty much a professional. In In soccer, pretty much a professional. But wrestling, wrestling is the circus. Wrestling comes from the carnival days. People used to run off to be a wrestler. That's what you did, right? Now you get to run. You get to, He knows this. He knows the world. And he gets to be the ringleader of the circus, right? Some of the most passionate people that people follow, let's call them Paul Heyman's, Gabe Sapolsky's, the people that have booked great wrestling over these times and uh, great wrestling over these times weren't always professional. They, they, they did what they could to get their audience behind them. A lot of what Tony Khan does. What Tony Khan does as far as calling out Eric Hawani, calling out the WWE, taking his pot shots, is what his fan base wants. He is feeding his fan base. We love drama. Uh, he gets on Twitter and gives us drama. Now, after he was in that drama with Ariel Hawani, AEW then pulls a million dollar, a million uh, number in the ratings. Do do I know if they have anything to do with each other? Absolutely not. I have no evidence that they have anything to do with each other. But I don't know that they don't have anything to do with each other either. This dude understands his audience and he feeds it what it needs. He talked about being he talked about being the adversarial brand of the WWE and he's talking about Burger King and he's talking about uh, Pepsi. And he realized a lot of what their product was was just saying WWE uh, other products sucks. That's what he has to do. You're expect- no, again, he he more than anybody else in the entire world of wrestling views him and AEW versus WWE as a legitimate war. Like yes. it's it's. It's the same exact way where, like, you know, Eric Bischoff view it as, like, you know, I'm out to kill you. I will destroy you. That whole situation. Um, which worked until it didn't. Um, but there's other factors that played into that regardless. It's, yeah, it's uh, like we got the man that gave away the results to the other people's show. We got him telling, saying that uh, somehow someone needs to be more professional. Yeah. What? That's, that, that doesn't work like that. At, at the end of the day, though, and I don't care, I really don't like that defense. I think it's a bullshit defense is that he is a professional. He's an executive. He should be held. He should hold himself to a higher standard and be a professional. And all he's showing is I'm not going to say, and I know people want to act different because he's not Vince McMahon. And I get it. Vince McMahon is a fucking horrible human being. I completely understand. And I agree with you. But there's diff- But there's also levels to carnism and and unprofessionalism so he still fits so he's showing that he fits in that world of people like paul Heyman who lied and to his talent and and bounced checks and stuff like that he's showing that he's still in that same line and i just think as somebody who said he was going to be different and has a different product he's doing the same he's doing he's in that same realm be better world run by carnies you have to be a little carny you're asking someone to Someone's going to fight with a gun and, oh, man, you should be nice and only use your fist. No, that's stupid. No, this you is a business. Hold on. This. this is a business, though. How many times you hear people like say, 
I mind like you hear people like Jordan Grace and and this like that's not my this is my stage name this is a business I'm this that this isn't this isn't the seventies and eighties anymore. No, but these people in, play in, they in, play video in games the, in the height height of this business. The owner of the other company got his ass kissed on TV. Wrestling is a different world than any other business. This is yeah. you're allowed to do things that you're not allowed to do in you other know, business. Back in wrestling. the 70s and 80s, steroids was legal in the NFL, and now it's not. Back in the 70s, 80s, you could kill literally people could die on the field, and we saw that does that how they changed everything. Yes. Businesses changed. And, 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 and this business is not killing anybody. But this he's business, just talking shit on Twitter. And he's being a bitch about it. No, he no, needs to no, be no, a mature. I don't think he's, to, I, you, that's your opinion. I don't think he's being a bitch. I think he's being a leader. And I get it because obviously that's like I said, he you say it better than anybody, he placates to his audience. But you as a billionaire, a successful businessman, quit acting like a teenager and be a no, grown-up. Be no. the grown up in the room. Act like a teenager because that's what your fan base wants you to act like. They no, your fan base wants you to act like whatever you want them to tell you. They you want them to tell no, you to act like no, no. Tony Khan knows what works. What worked with AEW was Cody coming out talking shit about WWE every week. That's what worked. Guess what? Cody's not in anymore. So Tony Khan. No, you know, and then he also did the same thing to Yannick and Gawkway during the 2020 NFL draft. Yeah, yeah. This, this yeah. is no different. I mean, he is he's an immature billionaire who's who sits there just like other people like Dana White, just and like Donald Trump, and he, wants to bully people. He is, okay. not a, he is not he is not a perfect human being by any means. And I think that's what we love about him the most. That's no, what I'm just saying is you can be a professional. You, you could, can be above. Like you can be not. above. You can be above the the neg, the, the nonsense. What you, uh, Jr. What you? What I will say to 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 talk on Floyd's side a little bit. It was that what you fail to realize about Floyd is that Floyd loves the dirt. He loves the mud. He loves the shit flinging. He loves this shit. Um, even even in areas where I disagree with him about that whole deal, this 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 man lives for this. I type I, of shit. I, I personally yeah. believe Tony Khan should stay off of Twitter as much as humanly possible. He can be his on TV Dude. personality all he wants. I would I, love it if he stayed I, off of Twitter. I, I want him it's not live, gonna happen though. I want him live tweeting WWE shows, telling you I'm <laughs> shitty. That's what I want from Tony. And I Khan. get it. You know what? And you know, <laughs> there comes times where like I loved when Will Ospreay and Kenny Omega had had their stuff, and it got dirty, and you're like, oh my god, what what they're doing? I get it. But again, you're an executive. There are people in from the NFL that probably see that and be like, this guy's a clown. That's, I'm saying for for yourself as a human being, as a person, just come on, man. As as a business person, dude, just be just be above it. This guy's a clown, and he's the clown that runs a circus, sir. That he runs a circus. That's what wrestling is. No, it's not. Yes, we it is. Austin, let's Literally. just move on because we will we will be here for an hour and a half. <laughs> I'm sure this is dude, an argument dude, that you guys have had multiple times. One of the champions in AEW right now is literally his character is that he's a sloth. This is the circus, brother. No, this is <laughs> no, this is a this is a business. It's a business just like sports is a business, just like entertainment's a yeah, business. The circus and is, all of these the guys with, and every man and woman nowadays will tell you that K Fabe is dead. 
and that they're all actors and actresses Man. and they're portraying a character if there's because a world, you hear it, you see it. If there's a world you, you see it every be, day. If there's a world and a business you can be silly in and be an asshole, it's professional wrestling. Because guess what? The most successful man in wrestling history is the biggest asshole in wrestling history. And you just proved my point. Yes, no better I won't, than the rest. I, won't, I don't want him to be better. I, w- I don't want him to be better. I have no desire for TK to be better. I don't want him like raping chicks and stuff like Vince did. But I have no desire for him to be like, oh, I'm going to be super professional. Let me put on my suit and butt. No, no, you run the fucking circus. Entertain me, bitch. <laughs> okay. I'm going to call time on this debate. I loved it. It was entertaining as hell for me, I will say. I love it when y'all go head-to-head because y'all have visceral uh, arguments. It's wonderful. We'll move off of the... I, I throw out the, area, the, the, the aerial thing as a joke. I don't care at the end of the day. I love how like both companies are treating it like a big deal. I don't think it's that big of a deal, but I do love how both companies treat it like a big deal. Um, that's what I will say. But we'll move off of that. We wrapped up our Dynamite review. The only matches that we have announced so far for da- uh, Dynamite in San Francisco is that we're going to get the second half of the Casino battle- Tag Team Battle Royal, where we get the final tag team in the four-way at Revolution. And also, Hook will be going up against an opponent of Stokely Hathaway's choosing. Um, for Rampage on Friday, when you guys are hearing this, Action Andretti's first Sammy Guevara, which is announced last week. Willow Nightingale is going to go one-on-one with Tony Storm. We'll see Lance Archer. And then we're going to have a Keith Lee and Dustin Rhodes interview. So we'll get a little bit more on that. And I'm sure what will be a tag team banger, Young Bucks versus Aussie Open. That's going to be fucking nuts. I just want to put out a disclaimer. If you want to be blocked by me, tell me who won that match. I have literally (laughs) went out of my way to avoid knowing what happened in this match. So I could watch Young Bucks versus Aussie Open unspoiled. If you decide to be the person that spoils that for me, uh, I will feel bad for you because I'm a very petty person. He will, he will cast, a, <laughs> cast a plague upon your household. Yes. So, no. So. Leave, no, just leave me be. I love you all. Leave me be. There, there, there you go. There it was go. a double disqualification. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. CM, the, Punk, the, no, CM no. Punk was in the crowd watching it. It was, yeah. it was New Japan Strong. No, this, is, this is not WWE with Brock Lesnar throwing a low blow to end a, like, a banger of a match that was that was amazing. Let me just hit the guy hey. in the nuts. There you <laughs> go. Hey, you, my picture is so funny because my picture with Nick Khan just uh, popped up on my screen. Good times. Hey, you know what? It's, <laughs> it's funny. I was I think I think I cut out for a minute. I was just gonna say this. People are me like Jr. Why the fuck are you going to AEW if you hate Tony Khan? I'm like, listen, I support talent. I love talent. I want to support every talent I can in indies and everything. I think at the end of the day, you should people should support talent more than anything. Yeah, no, again, if there's, like I said, I mean, I hitched my wagon to one guy. It's what I did. And I, I'm i out here being like, you know, people going fucking banana over and him. He's coming, and he's coming stop, back. Stop. He's coming stop. back. Well, here's, here's all I'll say on that matter. People want to act like, oh, we don't want punk in wrestling. We don't want him. He's toxic. He's cancer. But y'all still fucking freak out like you're seeing NSYNC in concert or fucking oh, like Prince. Right. And you're like, oh, my God, he's in the crowd at New Japan Strong. It's like, y'all got to kill the fuck out. Yeah. As soon as you tell me a wrestler's a toxic or cancer, I'm like, why is he not signed? Yeah, why is he not go. on my TV every week? 
Yeah, I, I was just happy. I still was happy to see No No Way Jose and uh, Giselle Shaw and Scott Demore out there too. Got the fuck out the No Way Jose, bro. Let's yeah. fucking go, dude. I didn't think there's any chance that anybody could be a bigger heel than MJF. All CM Punk has to do is show up. Oh, dude, it'll just be. It, and it has <laughs> to, if he shows up in AEW, then he's the biggest heel in wrestling. That's yes. what happens. Yeah, but if he shows up wrestling. anywhere else. Then he'll I don't fine. know. Yeah, he'll be fine. But again, it won't happen. It's oh, whatever. No, 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 no. But dude, I, dude, I don't, I don't, I don't pray. Uh, I don't, I, I don't pray all the time. But you know, when I do, the last of my prayers is CM Punk come back. Come on, CM. Hey man, I hope it. I hope it works. <laughs> I, like you're way more positive in that regard. I'm. Uh, I'm. Come no, to, you I'm know, come honestly, to, and no. they, this is just a lifestyle. They are. They are. Will attest to this. I decide I want something to happen, and then I just don't give up until it just you it, manifest that shit. Yeah, until t- Tony Khan comes out and everything and saying CM Punk will never work for AEW again, I won't believe it. You'll you'll you'll, he, you'll forever be so, you'll forever be so you'll you're telling me he does it, and then when he does it, I'm gonna say it's a work. CM Punk showing up <laughs> next year. This this is why we are we have a perfect friendship because we're yin and yang. He's a very positive, upbeat. He'll spin things in a certain way for a more positive life. I'm a, I'm a I'm a negative, realistic person. I see the negative, everything, and and all that stuff. That's why we I'm work well together. <laughs> yes, I'm just in the middle. Yes, no, but no. Uh, when it comes to punk, dude, can't nobody tell me he ain't wrestling in AEW again. He's no done, one, bro. The done. only person that can tell me that literally is Tony Khan, and I will think he's working. That's I'm just saying. So no one can literally tell me. Like, you you know who could tell me CM Punk is not working in AEW again, and I would believe one person, AJ Lee, AJ yeah, Mendes. If the if the wife says he's not working there anymore, he ain't working there anymore. <laughs> can't wait till he becomes a becomes IWGP World Champion. Can't believe I can't wait for it. Dude, uh, yeah. Regardless. I still, I'm still waiting on my Punk versus Kenda at Forbidden Door, dude. That's all I there want. There you go. There you CTS go. Yes. He's gonna he's gonna join New Japan just so he can be at Forbidden Door and then GTS all them motherfuckers. Dude, That's what's going on. Bullet Club seems to be without a leader right now. <laughs> I'm it. just saying, Phil Brooks looks good in black. He he's always looked good in black and white. You know what I mean? There you go. It'll be Nexus all over again, dude. I'm just talking shit, but no, I want something <laughs> to happen. I just literally, I like, dude. It's it's it just feels like it feels like you're sitting on a million dollars and just like cashing know, it you're... in, cashing your chip, cashing in. <laughs> Won't happen. But either way, dude, dude, Punk and FTR versus the Elite. Trio's We've talked about match. this before, bro. We want it so bad. They're not going to give it to us. The, the trio's fuckers aren't going to give it. In all out, I'm like, dude, I'm like, I'm like biting my lip. <laughs> I'm like, I, I, feel I just it. said, I like I said, I just brought it. I brought it up as a joke because everyone was freaking out in the New Japan uh, show uh, show uh, crowd for the show, yeah. uh, and I just loved how people were freaking out about it. I was like, oh, wait, I thought you hated him. Like, what was where was all the hate for it? But y'all are freaking out. Whatever. I'm 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 off, I'm off that horse. Floyd, no, can you please get to our? Oh, go ahead. What? Hold on. Can you hear me? I hear you. Yeah, my little speaker thing sure. went clear for some reason, so I thought you couldn't hear me anymore. But I'm oh, here. Yeah, I got you. All right. So, uh, news and notes. Mox yes. is pulled out from a OTT show over the top wrestling in Ireland, right, Jr. 
Yes, uh, over the top wrestling was have is, is having their scrapper mania, which is like their big. It's like their WrestleMania. It's it's happens happening St. Patrick's Day weekend, um, and he's being pulled out because that's the same night that they're doing the first AEW house show in Ohio. Uh, but in this place, uh, they're sent Eddie Kingston will be in this place, and then one more unannounced AEW talent. Yes, and then the next piece of news. AEW Dynamite on TBS, 1,028,000 viewers, 0.35 in the 18 to 49, and number one show on the night. Uh, no NBA, so a lot of people think that might have something to do with it. Uh, and then I, I, I feel sad to the, the disappointed. And it should have been obvious because they generally announce it like it's coming, but it doesn't look like there's going to be an AEW Fan Fest in uh san francisco so i literally have a saturday where i'm just gonna stalk jr and his wife the whole day and then you know that's gonna be fun and we're gonna go get chocolate wasted at gear deli so i'm a i'm a i'm gonna leave him in chinatown and see friends way back dude dude i will uh i will always i've been in much scarier cities in san francisco <laughs> and i always find my way home but no uh i'm looking forward to san francisco and but yeah those are the news and notes for the day yeah all right now uh I, that's gonna close us out on this uh specifically long episode of aew dynamite uh again we appreciate you all sticking with us uh, we had a lot to talk about. And again, it was my first show back in, in a minute. So I'm glad that we were able to link this up. Um, JR, my boy, love having you on. You're always a pleasure to have on. Please go follow our good friend JR at Lucha Professor. Do you got anything you want to plug right now? Yeah, I'm just, I'm sorry. I went on a rant, everybody. And when You're I get good, going, I, I, can't, I can't stop. And like I said, you know, Floyd says, makes a joke all the time. Uh, when we get on a podcast together, that is just, a recorded segment of our like 24 hour ever occurring podcast that we do off the air. Yeah. There you go. You're pretty much, <laughs> it's just a glimpse into our lives together. It's just like, okay, instead of we're going to be, we're on the phone. We're just going to press record now. Uh, <laughs> but uh, no, I, no, I think everybody for listening and JR for being on, I, honestly, that whole little part where we're yelling at each other literally would have never happened with me. It's just me and Austin just, <laughs> it would have never happened. So that was fun. I might even clip some parts and throw it online. I, I mean, do it, yeah. bro. Yeah, do no, it. dude, because that was that was that was rowdy. That was rowdy. Uh, no. We love it. We love that shit. But you, yeah, you know, thank I, you guys I, again. I live for it. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely, man. But yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. We appreciate you guys. Uh, continue to download and share this fine show. Whether you listen to us on Google, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify, give us a rating if you feel the need or a review if you would like. And you can follow us on Twitter at AT Elite Pod. You can also follow at Social Suplex who make this show possible. I am at Austin Sumowitz, S Z U M O W I C Z. Floyd is at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter. My big man, Floyd. You can go ahead and take us home on this episode of All Things Elite. Dude, thank you everyone for listening. I uh, hope we entertained you because you know that's what this is all about. Uh, you know what? Uh, you know, go to the at AT Elite Pod and you know, give us some messages and stuff. I'll shout out to Ryan, he's always one of our people posting and all that stuff. And I always appreciate him listening. And thank you, everyone that supports us while listening to, to us for a second, a minute, or any other time, any other time frame. But just share the podcast, get it out there because we are the fan podcast, none of us 
are wrestling experts. We all are just people that watch wrestling and then talk shit about it. So the only journalist is in this group is Mr. Summerweezy over there. But uh, other than that, uh, it's just people talking about wrestling. And again, we thank you, and I will leave you how I always leave you, whether home, work, or school. Always do your best to be elite.